0: morning ALM. Uh, Let's have God's Word open us up to John chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 42. So if you are able, please rise for the reading of God's Word. And you can take a second to stretch. Uh, We have 42 verses to go through, but please stay engaged with us uh, as we read God's Word. John 4, starting on verse 1. Now this is the word of the Lord. wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but every, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered that this indeed, this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A quick prayer. Father God, show us our sin, show us our Savior, and show us the road to mercy to which our Savior took, to find lost souls and to redeem them as a people for himself. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. We wanted to spend uh, two weeks focusing on justice and mercy. Last week, we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan and saw how the gospel frees us up from artificial dilemmas so that we can act out of a a gospel-centered compassion. Uh, The gospel frees us up from seeing issues of systemic racism and inequality only through the lens of politics or social justice. It, It gives us a biblical lens. It allows us to nuance and exercise discernment on how to engage with all that is going on. And odds are, if we're we're only listening to the world around us, more likely than not, we're simply getting repetition, uh, an increased volume, and pressure, if not uh, bullied, to uh, agree wholesale to one group. So uh, it has to be said that, you know, two weeks on the topic of justice and mercy isn't going to address everything. But we hope that it can be a start for us to have our hearts break for what breaks God's heart. Last week, we saw how the unsuspected Samaritan man took the road of compassion instead of convenience. And this week, we'll take a look at how Jesus similarly takes the road of compassion instead of convention. We'll look at the marginalized, the missing, and the Messiah. So first, to marginalize. As we've revisited this text, because I know for many of us, we've heard preaching on it. We've studied it. We've even read it a few times in our devotionals. But I want to ask us, when we read this and look at this text, at what point do we feel the tension or the drama rising? Uh, For many of us, it's probably in verse 14 when Jesus tells the woman to go find her husband. And she says, I have no husband, and he says, you're right, you have five. And perhaps for many of us, it's at that point where we realize something is about to happen here. Or maybe some of us, after hearing sermons and studies on this, we see that it's actually verse 7. As soon as the Samaritan woman goes into the scene, we think, ah, now something is about to take place. You know, we often take verse 4 as an introduction, but it's actually where the drama and the tension begins. Verse 4 says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Now, the early Christians uh, would actually be on their toes at the very beginning. Starting in verse 4, they would be thinking to themselves, Oh man, why did Jesus have to pass through Samaria? You're not supposed to go through there. Doesn't he know that people often go around... Something is about to happen. Let's pay attention. We need to appreciate the fact that Jesus going through Samaria to begin with is a big deal. If we don't, we will miss the broad and general effects of sin that is making people avoid a whole group or region simply based on race. If we only focus on the individual sin of this Samaritan woman, then we'll also miss of the gravity of, of a, a corporately embraced convention to which we find at the root of it is also sin. And so, so let's, let's think about this a little bit. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Well, one, we know that the shortest route from Judea to Galilee is to pass through Samaria. If you look at the map, it's just right there in the middle. And if you are going from Judea to Galilee, the quickest route is just to go through Samaria. But it was common practice to avoid this area and and the people as a whole and and, and go around and take a longer route because uh, Samaritans as a people and Samaria as a region was considered unclean. Now you can look at your ESV study Bibles or even some studies and commentaries and 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 we're told that the Samaritans were a racially mixed group of people, partially Jewish and, and with partial Gentile ancestry. Uh, they were disdained by both Jews and non-Jews. And in the origins of this, racial tension can be taken all the way back to 722 BC. And you can look at Second uh, Kings 17 if you want some more context. But this, this was a tension that began so long ago, and it's a tension that lasted for a long time. We're told that one of the early church historians, uh, Josephus, tells us that the tensions were so high in 1st century AD that Roman soldiers were brought in to pacify and even crucify. We see marginalized, marginalization happening on two levels. First, all the people of Samaria, all the Samaritans were marginalized because of their race. And we see this in in verse 4, Jesus having to go through Samaria when the common practice was to go around. And so this whole region and this whole people were marginalized. But second, we also see a woman. And in some ways you can see her as a a marginalized of the marginalized because of her particular sins. And, And we see that Jesus addresses both the broader sin of racial marginalization and the particular sins of this woman, this individual. And so we'll take a look, first The woman. So we know that the woman had five husbands and a man living with her now isn't her husband. She doesn't have a good reputation among the other townspeople and so she goes to draw water from the well during the hottest time of the day. The sixth hour is about noon around lunchtime. At that time, most of the people would be indoors. They would have either gotten their water early in the morning or they would wait again for when the sun is setting later in the night. And so she goes out to get water at a time where she expects no one to be there. But Jesus is there. He's waiting for her. He asks her for a drink and she is taken back. Verse 9 tells us that the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, Asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. It must have been obvious enough simply by appearance that he was a Jewish man and she was a Samaritan woman. And convention would dictate that they are not supposed to interact with one another, particularly that Jesus as a Jewish man should not be interacting with a Samaritan let alone a Samaritan woman. Yet, G- yet Jesus crosses these conventions because He has compassion on her. He-, he offers her eternal life, living water, and He addresses her personal sins. He is becoming now a personal Savior. What's more, He reveals Himself to her as the Messiah, the Christ that she has been waiting for. And we see that once she realizes this, she drops her bucket and goes into town and testifies about Jesus. So one, why did Jesus have to, to go through Samaria? Because he had to meet the marginalized of the marginalized. This, this woman who, have, who has been such an outcast, who has been so pushed aside to the fringes of society that she has to go to fetch water when no one else is there. But, but what's, what's beautiful here is that through the, the most marginalized or the, the most uh, broken person, Jesus is also able to reach the whole region of Samaria and the people of Samaria. Verse 28 and 30 tells us that the woman left her water jar, went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went, so then they went out of town and were coming to him. Verse 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And we're told that Jesus not only uh, uh, breaks convention to go through Samaria, but, but he goes exactly to perhaps one of the most marginalized person of a marginalized group of people and region. And, and it's through this woman, it's through this compassion, it's through this crossing and breaking through of convention that he is now able to reach not just one person, not just one soul, but a whole people here. And in verse 40 and 41, So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. So not only did Jesus have to go through Samaria, but he actually stayed in Samaria when everyone would avoid and pass through and go around and have nothing to do with these specific people. When they would just rather push them to the side. Jesus not only goes through that land and to the people, but he stays there, spending time there, ministering to them. Jesus doesn't simply pass through Samaria. He, he stays and he ministers. It's, it's dramatic enough that Jesus would go through this place that most people would go around. Not only that, that he would interact with a Samaritan woman. And yet his compassion... And his obedience to the Father's will would have him stay and to continue to reach out to souls. And we see that many more came to believe. Many more came to believe. The very people who were marginalized by the Jewish religious majority, the the, the people who were even considered to be theologically unorthodox and unclean. Jesus, ironically, goes out of his way to meet with them, to stay with them. So how did Jesus address a a sinful convention of of racial marginalization? By first seeing them as souls that needed salvation. He saw the the personal sins of each individual, and he also saw the corporate sin of the majority that, that would be keeping them from hearing the gospel the good news that the kingdom of god is drawing near and that he is the messiah he is the savior that he is the one who can take away sin and so when most people if not everyone would avoid and take the path of that is more clean jesus would find himself unclean for the sake of compassion and souls He would pass through and he would stay with the marginalized. Now I know oftentimes when this text is preached, the focus is uh, theological and doctrinal and, and, and which is true, and we often draw out that uh, this text is about Jesus revealing himself as the one who can give eternal life, living water, and also that Jesus showing us that true worship takes place in spirit and in truth but but if we only see that and if we say that that is the only thing that this text is saying then what we're doing is we're flattening it and almost taking it at a grayscale and, and not appreciating the intricacies and the beauties and the interpersonal dynamics of human beings who are of certain races of certain backgrounds suffering in certain ways because of the way history went before And so when it comes to the marginalized, Jesus sees them, he loves them, he has compassion for them, and he goes through the path, the road that no one does, and he stays. He stays with the marginalized. Our second point, we see that there is also the missing. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look in verse 8, we see that the disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. They're going out to get lunch. And then verse 27 said, just then his disciples came back. So they're they're gone for about 20 verses. Uh, This is one of the most longest recording of Jesus' conversation with someone and the disciples are missing for most of the part. They they went out to go by lunch, but when they come back, this is what it says in verse 27, they marveled that he, Jesus, was talking with a woman here in Samaria, but no one said... What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Instead, instead of asking the obvious and important question that's right in front of him, Jesus, why are you talking to this Samaritan woman? What is happening here? Verse 31 says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. We see that the disciples' primary concern at, at this moment is, is, is lunch, is food, it's hunger. And, and yeah, we can say that, you know, they... They had a lot of love for Jesus. They wanted to make sure he, he was fed and that in his tired state, he was taken care of. But, but, but Jesus here is, is trying to, to teach them and, and even trying to open their eyes. Not only were they missing in this interaction and this very important encounter, but they were also missing the point of what Jesus was doing as he was revealing himself to this Samaritan woman as the Messiah. The disciples disappear to buy food, and when they return, they only care about food. The, the disciples were in, in some ways missing in action and also missing the point. And, and, and we're told here that, that, that the Father is seeking worshippers, and that the Son is carrying out His will that God the Father is seeking out worshipers and God the Son is, is carrying out His will. And if the, if the disciples could just, just uh, pause for a second and stop thinking about food and their own self-interest, they would see that, that, that there is more than meets the eye. There is more than, than what they simply perceive around them and, and their own self-interest. Jesus says in verse 34 to 35 that uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, to seek out the lost and the broken and the marginalized, the sinners who need salvation. And then he points out and he says to the disciples, Do you not say that there are four months then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. What Jesus is doing is here. He's he's trying to speak their language. You're worried about food. You're thinking about grain and food. And, And you're telling me the harvest is four months from now. And in four months from now, we can pick the grain and have enough food to eat and things like that. He's using that kind of language. But he's saying that there is a different harvest, a harvest of souls that are waiting to be reaped and they are, they are white for harvest. And Jesus says, just just lift up your eyes and you will see. Stop thinking about food and grain, but lift up your eyes and see the harvest of souls that are ripe and ready to be reaped for God's kingdom. See, th- they were missing the whole point of what's happening. Jesus here is, is trying to open their eyes to see that salvation isn't just for specific people, but it's for, for, for all people who are in Christ. What's important to note here that their blindness actually caused them to miss souls that were ready for salvation. They not only were missing in this interaction, they were also missing the significance of what Jesus was doing here in the kingdom work that was taking place. They were missing what was right in front of them because they were blinded, perhaps by their own cultural and racial views of the time and, and the common conventions that said, if you're Jewish, bypass the Samaritans. If you're Jewish, don't, don't, don't interact with them. In fact, don't even see them, go around them. That's why, that's why you know, I, it's, it's, it's amazing. You know, last week we, we, we spent some time in the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I wonder, even though it's a parable that Jesus is telling uh, to make a point, I wonder, with the reality of many Samaritans coming to salvation, are they not now out there living out uh, a this gospel-driven uh, reality and this life are they are they not freed from these these conventional uh, constraints of, of 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 race and and and, and limitations and are they not living out the gospel faithfully probably so but here are the the disciples the people who are following jesus the people who are trying to live like jesus and learn at jesus feet are blinded by by, by their own cultural conventions. So, why did Jesus have to go to Samaria? Why did he have to pass through? Why did he stay? Maybe it's because if he didn't, no one else would have. Maybe it's perhaps because if Jesus didn't go to the very place that everyone was avoiding, that the, that the gospel would have never been taken there, that people would have never seen these people and said, you know what, they need the gospel too. You know, I I, I remember um, one of the missions trips uh, that I was on in Europe. I was talking with some of the Christians there and, and we were at this particular point in town where uh, you could see uh, a lot of surrounding areas and um, this particular individual uh, who was a believer was pointing out that uh, this is the section where uh, the the Greek Orthodox worship, this is a section where Christians and and that's the sections uh, where the where the gypsies live and he was saying how you know we don't really go to that town because of the crime and because of the gypsies and everything that come along with uh, this view of, of what gypsies were or represented or or stereotyped and generalized as. And it was interesting because as he was explaining that, I just thought it was so sad and ironic. And so I said to him, oh, so that's your Samaria. Those are your Samaritans. And um, he just said, yeah. And I, and I don't think we, we were on the same page there. But how ironic is it that as, as disciples of Christ who are so driven by the gospel, who are so gospel-centered, at the same time can be blinded by cultural conventions that 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 limit us to, to, to the ends of the earth that the gospel ought to be taken to. And, and, and here we see Jesus breaking through that. And so I, I hope that we can relate uh, to the Samaritan woman as a sinner, of course, like we, we ought to, but I also hope that we can relate to the disciples as sinners who seem to be conformed more to the culture around them than, than what, what, what God desires. And so the last point, the Messiah, the, the Messiah on the road to give mercy doesn't simply look past common cultural conventions he, he he doesn't simply say you know what i don't care about that i'm just gonna ignore it he he actually in some ways by by intentionally going through samaria and intentionally staying there he breaks through cultural conventions he acknowledges them And getting to the person's sin without reducing them to just their sin. Jesus, by way of compassion and love, is able to address personal sin as well as a a, a corporate uh, uh, sinful limitation of, to some degree, racism that is limiting the gospel to be taken forth. There were plenty of souls. There were plenty of lost souls that needed to be saved. The, the, The reality was... And no one wanted to go through Samaria, let alone stay there. Everyone kept going around the issue. Jesus doesn't go to the Samaritan woman and, and the Samaritan people because he's colorblind or because uh, he is just going to simply look past that that is a reality and a difficulty. But he goes because simply they, in fact are marginalized because of these things. In other words, the the fact that this woman and these people were marginalized because of their race is what makes Jesus go to them, even though, yes, his priority is for their souls and for salvation. But he, he goes after these specific souls to give eternal life because it seems as though everyone was going around them. And Jesus, the Messiah here, has an eye for the marginalized. And, and he's trying to open the eyes of those who are missing the point here. And Jesus, we're told, as he reveals himself, not just to the Samaritan woman, but the Samaritan people, that, that he indeed is the Messiah, that, that the people here are even Testifying and affirming that he is the savior of the world. This Jewish man, Jesus, they are recognizing recognizing him as the savior of the world. Not not just the savior for Jews, not just a savior for Greeks or Gentiles, but or any specific race of people, but but the world. He is the Savior of the world, of all who are created in God's image and chosen in Him before the foundations of the world. And they here, the marginalized, have uh, their eyes opened to the reality of God's love for all those whom He has created in His image and for all those whom He has chosen in Christ. So it's through this most marginalized of the marginalized Samaritan woman that that people come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. It's it's through uh, then Jesus' own ministry and compassion for staying with these people that many more come to salvation. And so they say, come see a man. He told me all that I have ever did, yet he offered me salvation. Why? Because he told me he would bear my sins on the cross for my salvation. Verse 42 And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. The Messiah takes the road of compassion to give mercy to the marginalized. And so let me conclude by saying this, friends. Uh, there There is a lot to process with all that is going on around us as it pertains to racial justice and mercy and and let's just let's just be clear that racial justice isn't the only justice that God cares about, but right now indeed it seems as though in our time it is on the spotlight, and the reality is that God does care about this he does desire them. He sees the marginalized, he sees the broken, and, and, and Jesus himself draws near. The encounters between Jesus and the Samaritans are not, are not a direct parallel to the racial injustices specific to black people right now. However, if we are faithful to God's word and humble enough to exercise biblical discernment, we can at the very least conclude that racism is an issue with sin being at its root, yes. And God's heart does break for the marginalized. And so, let me, let me leave us with this reflective point that hopefully will lead us to repentance and, 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 and more faithful obedience as we engage with our neighbors and brothers and sisters. What are some ways we have been conformed to the conventions of this world that are making us blind to the souls that need salvation? What are some ways that we are uh, recipients of salvation, yet operators of the world's conventions, which ultimately limits uh, the very places that the gospel wants to go and engage with? You know, my prayer is that our love would abound more and more, as, as the Apostle Paul says, with knowledge of God and and with all discernment, knowledge of God and, and discernment on how to practice that knowledge, those theologies, those doctrines, so that we may approve what is excellent. And let me exhort us by reminding us again, let us do all things without grumbling or disputing in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation so that we may shine as lights in the world as we hold fast to the word of life. And I'll give us a few lines from our response song as we reflect on this. Oh Lord, change me like only you can, here with my heart in your hands. Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. This world is dying to know who you are. You've shown us the way to your heart. Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. More like Jesus, more like Jesus, I pray. Make me more like Jesus. Brothers and sisters, let, let, let's seek the Lord so that our, our, our eyes will be open. So that we would see that the harvest is ripe for souls to be saved. And that in fact, the gospel calls us to interact with, engage with, go to and stay with those who are marginalized. That's exactly what Jesus did. Join with me in prayer.